me. I'm going to say, anybody ready? All right, Michael's ready. Okay, Michael. Michael Shelton up first. I was trying to find the passage. Um, so I got pocket. That was my topic, pocket. And I had to think about this one for a minute because when you're up here, any good sermon outline just immediately leaves you. Uh, when you're down there, you can think of, oh, that's a great, that's a great idea for a message. But pocket. Um, when I think of a pocket, I think of, it's a place where you put things. It's a place to keep things safe and on your body when you put you when you bring your wallet when you bring your ID whatever you bring wherever you go you have this you have it in your pocket and you have it close to you so one you can always have it with you wherever you go wherever you need it it's going to be there and then whenever uh, you need to use it you can use it at any time and also it keep when you have it in your pockets instead of holding on to it because if you hold on to it everybody can see that you everyone sees that you have this but you have it in your pocket it's secure i don't want people stealing my wallet so i keep it in my pocket i keep it in my front pocket um and when i think of a pocket i think of how god has us in the palm of his hand how god has us in we we have god in our pocket god is the god is where we're supposed to take everywhere it's a thing we need to get anything anything we need done we need it on us we need it close to us People can't see that we have them unless we show them. We have to show them that, okay, this is who I have. This is important to me. This is what I keep close to me because it's important to me. I have God in my pocket. What's in your pocket? Amen. Amen. Stay up here. You're, you're dismissed. My name is Kevin Thomas. I am the youth pastor of this church. Yeah! All right, and uh, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh. All right, so it's, that's enough of that, all right, because it's, it's about him, not about me. Uh, but I, the word I got was crib, crib. And uh, so when you think of the word crib, you think of the place where you live. It's your home, you know, it's like, you know, your, your crib, you know? No, 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 I'm teasing. Uh, we're not going gangster in here, I promise. Uh, but no, when you think of a crib, it's a place where you put a baby. It's a place of protection. It's a place of safety. Why? Because a baby is not able to, you can't trust a baby to be able to sleep on its own. It could roll over and fall out of a bed. It's not ready for uh, the bigger things in life yet. It's not ready for the big bed. So you put them in the crib where there's bars, where there's safety, and you know that they can stay safe in that crib. And as a new uh, Christian in Christ, you are a babe. Uh, those who, who are recently saved, I'd say if you're, you're saved, uh, if you've been saved for about two years or less, you're, pro you're still a babe in Christ. But you shouldn't stay a babe in Christ. Uh, you shouldn't stay a babe in Christ forever. You should be able to get off that milk and get into the real meat of God's word. And when you're older and you grow, you guess what? You graduate from sleeping in that crib because you've learned that the protections and the boundaries that were set up around you, like that crib, was there to protect you because you didn't know any better. You had people looking out for you. You have other Christians looking out for you and helping you grow because you don't you're still experiencing realizing it's a spiritual warfare out there. But once you get old enough and you get off that milk and you start to grow and mature as a Christian, you graduate from that crib and you sleep in your own bed and you learn how to protect yourself because you're getting in that word and you're growing. And uh, you're growing. And so uh, make sure that you, if you've been saved here, uh, that you're getting in God's word and that you continue to grow. You should not be a babe in Christ. 
Uh, God expects to give you good meat from his word. He wants to give you greater and deeper things. He's going to, the things that you don't allow a child to do when they are young, they should be able to do as they get older because they learn how to handle those things. And as, as a Christian matures and gets older, you realize when God tells you not to dress this way, not to talk this way, why we do those things, and it's backed by God's word. The different convictions and different standards he's given to you in your life, it's not just because you watch and see other people do it, it's because God's word tells you to do it that way. Why? For your safety. But, no, but now that you understand that it's there for your safety, you don't need that crib anymore. You can... Get on. You can sleep in a big king size, queen size uh, bed, pur- a purple mattress, whatever you want, and you can sleep good at night and sleep safely at night, knowing why. Because the one who's in control of everything is, is he's got your back. He's gonna keep you safe. That's what I got for you. Oh, uh, did I read my verse? <laughs> uh, Proverbs twenty-two six. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I was going to read that, and I just got sidetracked. Amen. Mine's going to be short and sweet. I got metal. And all I could think of was uh, the nails Jesus was nailed with. So for me, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 3, for I delivered unto you first all of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he has seen a Cephas, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Kind of goes with that song, that they, uh, the special that they did. That's what I got. Stone and my name is Samuel Go, and my word was stone. But and since I didn't bring my Bible up, I don't really have a verse. But this is what I was. This is what I got. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. That means foundation. And we need to base everything off him. He's the foundation for our life, really. And and everything we can try and be like him in any every single way. All right, back up. All right, my word, my name's Andrew Kyle, by the way. My word is rhythm. <laughs> Pastor Kenny always makes sure to give me something music-related, which works well for me. I get the chance to explain something to y'all, which is good for me, too. Rhythm is a musical structure in which if we take each note, it depends on how long. Each note has a different length. Like we're singing, Christ arose, Christ arose, Christ arose. That's a very short note. So we can follow by a long note after that, right? So we all, they're all different rhythms throughout music. Every note has different lengths. And I put them all together, and that's the rhythm of the music, the rhythm of the piece that we sing there. Um, and the way I want to tie that in is our lives have rhythm. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, To everything there is a season, to everything and to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, 
a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit is, hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. So, at every stage of our, of our lives here on earth, we have a different thing that we are going through. Like some of us are doing, all, we are all going through different things at different times. We are not all doing the same thing at the exact same time. Um, like for me, my job is up here, like I'm, I'm leading music songs, singing tonight. Uh, Brother Todd just went off to college and Bible school. Um, there's so many of us who have different things in our lives that we're all doing uh, for the Lord or in our own way. But at the same time, when we put all these rhythms, sometimes they don't always line up perfectly. And let me tell you something, the choir knows this, when they have a rhythm that does not align with everyone else's rhythm, they, I can guarantee you, they're going to be like, Brother Andrew, help us here. We need help on this spot. So, but sometimes but when everyone is singing the same rhythm, like if you look at our hymn book, 99.9% .9 of the songs we sing, every note, the rhythms all fall together, and we're all singing in harmony together. You're not all singing the same note. We aren't all doing the same thing. But we put those notes together in the same rhythm. That rhythm is what we do for the Lord. We're following the rhythm of our lives together as we serve the Lord. You might say, for example, the rhythm of us coming to church every week. Here we come, we're here again tonight, right? Um, if someone decided, oh man, my rhythm's different tonight, I'm going to show up on church on Tuesday night, <laughs> their rhythm's off, right? They're going to be struggling, they're going to be having a hard time. Where is everybody, right? Because their rhythm was off. At the same time, our rhythm needs to be together with everyone else. We may not have the same exact thing going on in our lives, just like the choir sings, or when we all sing parts, we're not all singing the same note. But at the same time, we are all singing the same, where we should all be singing the same rhythm. And that's how we want to lead our lives for the Lord. All right. So that being said, we have a favorite. We can sing in harmony in the rhythm team. Man, you know what I like about more than likely I'm not preaching at all tonight is that I get to sing really loud. Normally I'm a little reserved because I got to preach in a minute. And I don't want to destroy it all. Yeah, I'm having more fun tonight. I'm just saying. All right. Next five. The one and only Jeff Williams. We signed him up today, so I'm excited. Uh, Brother James DeFerio. Kevin Thomas, Sr. Mr. T. Prime. Uh, Gabriel Shelton. And Brother Jack Connolly. Gonna help out Jack for me. All right, like I said, I'll give them a second here. And uh, we got a couple folks missing, all right? So I want you to think about something. I have extras, but I also have, I think, two people that aren't here tonight. One I know is not going to be here. So if you are willing and you did not sign up, keep that in mind, all right? You may be called upon, all right? So uh, if, you'd, if you'd be willing, all right? I'm not going to make you come up here. But if you'd be willing and you didn't get a chance to sign up or you just forgot, you may have another chance, all right? Who's ready? Brother Jeff is ready. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> One of the smartest guys I know has got to go ahead. Uh-oh, uh-oh. 
Yeah, I'm uh, Debbie Williams' husband. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 37, if you would. Psalm 37. I don't know about you, but uh, when I was a kid, my folks actually allowed me to watch TV, which probably wasn't very helpful, but it happened. And uh, one of my favorite shows by far was Tarzan. Everybody remember Tarzan in the 70s? Yeah, he always had the same problem. It seemed like every movie or every second movie, he always found what? Anybody's ever seen that? He's running through the woods, everything's going great until he hits a patch of quicksand. You remember that? He always gets up to here before somebody bails him out. Yeah, quicksand is definitely not a good place to be. And here in the Christian life, we are constantly running into situations of spiritual quicksand. Some place that the devil has for us that we weren't aware of, we didn't know it was a problem, and suddenly, bam, you're stuck. You're entangled in the things of this life. And here in Psalm 37, if you look down at verse 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Amen. You know, we go through life sometimes, and we think that these things are accidents. But you know there are no accidents with God. Yeah. Our God is good, and he's good all the time. And according to the word of God, if you're trying to do the right thing and you have any desire at all to please him, he orders your steps. He can take you through all the obstacles. He can help you over the hills, through the valleys, through the streams. And when he does allow you to get into the quicksand, it's part of his plan. He's allowing it for a test. And some of you right now tonight may be in some quicksand. Your feet may be stuck. Maybe it's a financial problem, relationship problem. Maybe it's some other issue. But you know, the book still gives us the promise there that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And the end of the verse says, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. The promise for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Whatever you're going through tonight, whatever you're going through this week, don't forget these promises. I mean, these are nice, clear, simple, black and white promises. There's no quicksand. The Lord can't pull you up pull you out of. Somehow Tarzan always got out, you know, but that was a joke. That wasn't real. We're talking about real life, and the Lord will always get you out if you trust him. Quicksand. Hello, my name is Gabriel Shelton. I will be ruining the message for the evening. And, uh, I got pocket watch. And in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 20, um, well, let's give it some context. Verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We don't got a lot of time left, guys. The world is full of trouble and it's full of danger, it's full of woe and misery, but our redemption draweth nigh. And the Lord will come and claim his bride. We have these promises, we have these beautiful, beautiful book, and these beautiful, beautiful words that teach us to observe and look for his coming. Because he is coming soon, and I fully heartily believe that. And the funny thing about a pocket watch is that it, it has all these gears in it. It has all these gears and these tiny little, tiny little, uh, tiny things, little, little, little gears with very, very tiny teeth. And these gears, they perfectly interlink with each other. 
to make an accurate watch, to make an accurate timekeeper, and very much as the church is supposed to be, with all these different bits and pieces, all these different little individual parts that make it the whole, that make it work. And if there's a little bit of rust on one of those, one of those little cogs, it's gonna break. It's not gonna work right. It's not gonna function the way that God made it to function. And if we're to observe all these things, we gotta be rust free. What's rust in your life? He's coming soon. Is he gonna find you watching? Uh, my, uh, my full actual full name is Jimothy DeFerio. <laughs> you can call me James. Timer. There we go. All right. So my topic is tire iron. I had to try to think about what that is because I'm a different generation. It's like I have a battery impact or an air impact gun that I use to take wheels off. I go on a trip, I bring a DeWalt battery impact to take a wheel off. Tire iron, if you're older, you would probably know what that is. It is, uh, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Everybody should, should know what a tire iron is. But it has, uh, well, I could just kind of use these for an example. It'd be like a, like a cross, kind of like that. Not exact cross, more like, a, like an X, upright, whatever, however you hold it. And on this side, you have maybe a 21 millimeter, uh, 13, 16, 7 eighths, 19 millimeter or 3 quarter, whatever size tires that you have on your vehicle. You get in a jam, you get on the side of the road, flat tire, you got to get your tire off. You got to take care of your problem. You have to have this to be able to break the lug nuts loose so you can take care of the problem, fix the problem. If you don't have one of these in the back of your car and you don't have a battery impact, then you're in trouble. You're not going to be able to take care of your problem. Now, I was looking, thinking about a tire and iron and thinking about those four, that intersection right there. First, I thought about the tire and iron. We're at a minute 14, by the way. Uh, that tire iron, it's got four legs to it, all right? And I thought about myself as being one side, and then you have the Father, the Son, well, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then you make that four up. But then again, I looked at it again as we have our tire iron in our life like this, and let's look at it a different way. We've got one end that we're trying to put onto a problem. We have us on the other end. Now, if we don't have this middle side, I mean, you're never going to take care of the problem. Unless you have the most incredible grip strength, like just <laughs> incredible. All right, if you have pipe wrenches for hands, okay, maybe. But that's not happening, I'm telling you. We're almost at two minutes. But you have to have the cross piece so you can get some leverage on the problem to be able to twist that thing off. Well, what are your cross pieces that you need to take care of a problem? Well, we need some prayer. Yes, it's common and preached all the time, but it needs to be preached because we need it. And we have Bible reading. Very important. That's why we have Bibles. They're just not to look at, even though I do like looking at them. But, you know, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things. That problem that you're trying to put that tire iron on, you got to have those other two parts. You try going at it like this with just your problem on the other end, which we see a lot of times in our lives, we see a problem, and we think we can just go at it and forget about the parts that we need to grab hold of that's going to give us leverage to take care of it, and we just try to do it on our own power. But you have that cross piece, we're at 243, that cross piece right here, and we have a very strong weld in the middle, Jesus Christ, the center of our tire iron, 
prayer, Bible reading, you, Christ in the middle, you can take care of any problem with that. Amen. 256. Well, you could tell he was a younger guy talking about a tire, and tire that I know is basically almost a 90 degree, one piece with, for one fit of a bolt, a nut. But hey, I just used one the other day. I don't have those that he's talking about. <laughs> so, I'm Kevin Thomas. Um, uh, I'm at my weight, uh, so I guess that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. For, I'm looking in uh, 2 Corinthians um, uh, 5 or 4, it tells me, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our body. And then 11, for we live, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus Christ's sake, for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. I forgot to look at the time. <laughs> so it's 10 till right now. If you look at verse 17, for our light affliction, you know, it tells, you know, in eight, you said, there's going to be troubled times. There's things we're going to go through that are difficult. You know, how we're going to remember to get through. Well, he's, he's, tell, he's already told us that in verse eight, nine, and 10. You know, those things are just going to be there. And we got to remember in the verse 17, but our light affliction, which is but for a moment. When we think of time, what, you know, God thinks about time. It's not very long, but uh, I know when we go through things, you know, I could, I'm thinking of something that went through in the military. Yeah, it didn't seem like a long time. But, you know, now I look back, yeah, it's over and done with. But it's just a light affliction, but for a moment, you know, the Bible says in Corinthians, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. So the things that, you know, we may be carrying around, but it's all going to add up in how God looks at it as far as weight for his glory, things that we're doing for him. We might feel that heavy burden on our shoulder, but then again, sometimes we put that heavy burden weight down our pockets and wonder why it's so heavy because we took it back from him mm -hmm. instead of you know, leaving it to him. And you're just waiting to see how long you're going to carry, how much are you going to carry. And we've got to remember that that weight is for him at that, put my glasses on, for eternal weight of glory. Amen. Can't wait for that day. I'm Jack Connolly, and I got bathtub. 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 Uh, the bathtub is where you get to go clean, um, and Jesus Christ is where you go to get clean. Amen. He forgives your sins, and to stay clean, you gotta go back. Um, 
Stay close to God. Amen. Sven. I'm Stephen Kyle, and I, and I got a basket. The first thing that went through my mind is Triska uh, uh, led her in a basket for some reason, but that's, <laughs> that's the first thing. Uh, a basket. But use baskets to keep things in. Baskets are for keeping things in. Uh, it reminds me of the, the Ark of Bulrushes. Uh, it reminded me of a basket uh, that Moses was put in. And he was preserved in there, I guess you could say, uh, by, by that basket that his, that his mother made. And she pitched it with pitch. And, and then it just went out. Went you know, down the river, wherever to where it was. It just kind of went out there. And, uh, and I thought, what, a, what an illustration of um, just our lives in Christ, what Christ has done for us. Just uh, that he, when we're, when we're just... We might just be out there floating, and uh, if we become before him willingly and just climb into his basket, so to speak, then he will he'll hope if we spend time in his word, and we're in his word, we're just you know, you know, wanting to be close to him, he's going to put the covering on that basket when we're choosing to remain faithful in him. And um, even though he might float down the river of life, so to speak. He'll keep you protected and safe, and um, he'll use you in a mighty way, just like he used Moses. So, just remain faithful and, uh, and uh, send out baskets, baskets of goodness. Ben. I'm excited. All right, so I'm Ben, Kyle, and I have soup. And to me, life is a lot like soup because you don't know what's in it. <laughs> you know? I mean, the, the, the cook can put whatever they want into it, and you might not know what's in it. And life is a lot like that. You have grief, you have sorrow, you have pain, you might have loss. But in Philippians 4.8, um, Paul says, you know, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. To me, that verse is a lot like soup, too, because God gives us the soup recipe. Everything we need in that, re- in that verse is what we need to get through the day, you know? And throughout your day, he gives each verse that you need, each ingredient. And, you know, when the, when the evil one tempts us to put bad things in our soup, we need, to remind, we need to remind ourselves to put good things in the soup so that God will get the glory and we won't. And, uh, and, uh, I guess that's. I'll just make good soup. John's ready. John is ready. John Matelski, in the word that he's given me, is a word I'm familiar with helicopter. (laughs) Who else? Who else should get that word? Me. The 
In Matthew 28, the risen Lord is on a helicopter because, first of all, during the three days, he takes the helicopter down to Abraham's bosom. And he's down in to see who's there and to bring, and bring them back with him. And then he's risen from the dead. Amen. So the helicopter's climbing. And then he looks at the apostles and says he's leaving. He's leaving to join his father in heaven. So the helicopter goes out of sight. And the angel walks up to the apostles and says, what are you guys looking at? Because when Jesus was leaving, he wanted them to go across the world and preach what we do in this church all the time, the gospel, to everyone, just like the Williamses do. And it's important for us to all know, because I've noticed in church lately, that we are talking about saving souls. Well, saving souls is like a helicopter. You're trying to lift those people up. Thank you. I was looking for, oh, my name is Joel Kyle, by the way, and I got the, the word boat. And I have a brother who really likes boats. So this is this to work out good. Um, the, I was looking for a verse, but the Lord did give me, I was looking for a specific verse, but the thing that stuck in my head was the, the song we sing that has in line in it that my, in my bark so small and frail, by his grace I shall, well, I shall not fail. That's the line that stuck out to me. And, you know, in the boats of the time of Jesus, um, they had wooden boats. And they would have to go through and put um, maintenance them, put pitch on them so they wouldn't leak. And um, we have to put uh, the pitch of prayer and God's word and memorization of scripture in our, in our boats' uh, cracks and crevices so that doesn't leak because we don't want the the world and the flesh and the devil to leak into our lives. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. That's all I got. That's all she wrote. Derek, I got nobody else to call on. I am Derek Lego, um, also known as Sammy, Sammy's brother. I have Nerf gun as mine. As mine. <laughs> and so I looked, through, I looked throughout the epistles and I couldn't really find anything. But I was looking for a specific, specific verse, but I couldn't find it. But um, I found this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. We are, on a, we are in a fight. We're in a war. For, we're in a war for, in this world, a spiritual battle, okay? And so we need to take the, our weapon, the Nerf gun, and we need to battle against the battle and fight the devil. Okay? Um, 
um, yes, we need be, we need to be ready and don't leave don't leave don't and you have to take care of your of your weapon, okay? Because if you just leave a Nerf gun lying around, like this lying around full, like loaded, just no idea where it is, you'll lose it or the spring will wear out. But so you need to have it ready. All right. Ooh, I got a bunch of notes up here. Cool. What's fun about being the pastor sometimes is you walk over to one of your missionaries and just go, I can't believe Andrew didn't call on you. Uh, what song you want? <laughs> and so that was Brother Jeff's song right there. He asked for that. And I thought, look ye saints, what better, uh, what better song to sing right before I finish the message from this morning, all right? I'm going to take about 15 minutes. We'll finish up my message from this morning. Uh, I'll recap really quick. I know we do have quite a few who were not here this morning. Uh, so if you would, grab your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. It's not quite dark enough out anyways for a big bonfire yet, all right? So uh, you got a couple of minutes, all right? They're getting things. Uh, some of the guys are out there and some of the ladies are getting some things set up for us, so they know we're getting close to winding down. So they're going to take care of all that, uh, and uh, I'm going to preach just for maybe 15 minutes-ish, and uh, then we'll uh, go ahead and talk about where everything is out there so you're not just wandering around hoping to find what you want, all right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. I'll only read, I'll read the first four verses here, and then... Uh, and then we'll finish up the message from this morning. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. I'll stop there. Uh, we read a little farther, but uh, this morning I was talking about putting things in focus. What do we look at? What do we intently focus upon in our lives? Uh, ultimately, what we, what we focus on is what we become or where we go. Uh, there's so many illustrations of that that it's kind of easy to pick, right? I mean, you're driving in a car, you look at the headlights in the other lane, right? They teach you don't stare at the headlights in the other lane coming towards you. Why? Because you'll automatically move. You go toward what you're looking at. And oftentimes we get ourselves in trouble because we take our eyes off of what we are supposed to be looking at. We take our thoughts off of what we're supposed to be thinking on and we lose that and we get in trouble because we aren't focused on what we need to stay focused on. And so this morning we were talking about this passage and uh, I mentioned uh, first of all our eyes looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And how our focus, the eyes give us focus. When we focus that, we focus on what our goals are. That finish line, looking the long distance down the road, trying to get to what we want to accomplish. The eye is supposed to look downfield and see 
what we are supposed to gain. And we talked about the example of Jesus Christ and how we need to look at Him. That's why He tells us looking on to Jesus for His example, for how He dealt with things and what He did and how He lived, His humility, His graciousness, His kindness, uh, just how He performed every task over and over and over again. What a wonderful example Jesus Christ was to us. And then we also looked toward the fields. They were white already on the harvest. The example of Jesus Christ, the exiled, the lost, who are without Jesus Christ. And they are ready to be picked if we were looking for them. But oftentimes we're distracted by the cares of this life or what we have going on, so we don't. Uh, You have the everlasting promise, that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, there in Titus. And He wants us to look up. Look up, why? For your redemption draweth nigh. And we're getting close, it's been talked about tonight even. We're getting close to the day when Jesus Christ is going to sound a rapture. We're going to go up in our helicopter, amen, Brother John. And uh, we're going to go up and, and we're going to be taken off of this earth and gone ahead and set up in heavenly places for all of eternity. It's going to be a wonderful day when Jesus Christ comes and takes his bride home. But you ought to be looking for it. And so many times the cares of this life pull our eyes from that glorious day down into the doldrums of what we have now. And we lose our focus. Uh, The second thing we talked about, he says in uh, verse number 3, he says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners, lest ye be wearied, and himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Uh, The thoughts that we have, our thoughts need to be focused. Captivated, he says over there in 2 Corinthians. Right? We want to captivate our thoughts. Bring them captive. Put them in the right place. Well, what are we thinking about? Well, uh, our thoughts give you focus so that you can stay strong. Not weary, he says. Not faint. Uh, the Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Uh, we ought to be focused on the right things. And you get over to Philippians chapter 4. Brother Ben went there uh, during his... Uh, But ultimately, we're looking at Jesus Christ here in Hebrews chapter 12, how he suffered, how he hungered, how he uh, went through weariness and trials and temptations with the devil, and how he was willing to lay lay aside his own will and do it God's way. And so we looked, of course, at his techniques, the way that he got past all of those troubles so that we can learn how we can do it. And then we looked at Philippians chapter 4 and the things that we ought to think on, the truth of the Word of God and how that is the thing that will go ahead. If we would meditate on that day and night, we would gain the victories we need. We'd learn what we need to learn to go ahead and turn that tire iron over and keep us and pull us back up out of the quicksand and do all the... I'm trying to tie in as many of these as I can off the top of my head, all right? Uh, But once again, he's looking for us to go ahead and learn what we need to learn so that we can think on those things, those pure and those perfect things that Jesus Christ gave us in a Bible. And then you get to uh, Isaiah chapter 26, and we went there, uh, and he says, uh, of course, that uh, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And we we ended there uh, this morning on our thoughts, thinking on the one that we can trust in. If we would trust Him, we'd think on Him. We'd keep looking. We'd stay focused because we'd know what He said was right and what He said and His promises and the goodness and the greatness of who He is just shines through. And you get to His will. You understand that in suffering and our weariness and in our hunger and in our temptations that His will is preeminent. 
and you can go ahead and take some soup. And I was thinking, you know, I was thinking all things work together for good. Uh, you know, you got all them ingredients in there. You know, it's funny. Soup can have all sorts of weird stuff in it. And you're like, hey, this is pretty good soup. Don't tell me what's in it. Right, Ben? And uh, as long as I enjoy it, we'll be all right. Too many times we get too worried about, well, what's, what's in that right now? And the Lord goes, don't worry about that. I know salt by itself doesn't taste that great. I know flour by itself, that doesn't taste that great. There's a whole lot of things that don't taste that great. But you put them together and you get a wonderful cake. Amen? Right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Some of the best things in the world, you would look around and you'd go, this doesn't seem like it's going to be good. I mean, if I look at that ingredient list, boy, that doesn't seem great. And then you put it all together and a wonder happens. So what is that? That's how God works in your life. If you trust Him, it's all taken care of. And then we get here, all right? Hebrews chapter 12, last point. I'm going to get it done in about five to seven minutes right here, all right? I'm not James. I don't know if I'm at 1748 or what. I don't know. Um, he, was, he was down to the second for us tonight, all right? Uh, but notice what he says here at the end of verse number two. He says, uh, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, we also know that if you go to Colossians chapter 2, or chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse number 2, the admonition is set your affections on things above and not on things on this earth. What is the focus of your affections? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We know where He is. And the question comes, well, what's the focus of the things that you love? What brings you joy? What brings you peace? What's the thing in your life that you go ahead and say, well, I just can't quite live without that? That's the problem. The problem is you and I live with a whole lot of things we shouldn't live with because our affections are all in the wrong spot. Our love is poured into things that you and I really don't need. And instead, the very one thing that we do need, we don't love the way we ought to. The focus of our love is often detracted and moved around and it goes all over the place. Truly, the, per the, the greatness and the praise that is going on in heaven, the blessing of heaven, the truth of eternal life, the thoughts of that, you realize that if our affections were in heaven... The focus of affections go ahead and make it so you won't wander. That's what affections do. What you love and what you stay focused on with your love, what you pour your love into, keeps you locked in on that. You notice people, and, and it's sad reality is that broken homes and terrible lives happen because why? Well, we just fell out of love. Well, I just, you know, irreconcilable differences. And all these, you know what they did? They chose not to love that person anymore and look for something else. The problem that we have is our love, our affection is not poured out on the things that are above. We find love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life are not of the Father, but they are of the world. 
And we look around and you know what we do? Our affection gets pulled down to this earth. And it can be perfectly fine things. Perfectly fine. It doesn't have to be something wicked. I'm not saying, well, you love, you love this great, terrible sin that you're committing. I just mean, you know what you've done? You've gone ahead and taken the love that was supposed to be God's and you've given it to another. By the way, that's idolatry. And idolatry is as the sin of witchcraft. I, I, idolatry, by the way, just a fun little note. Didn't he call the children of Israel adulterers for choosing other gods? Isn't that a strange... Why? Because they were supposed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. And you know what they did? They decided to love something else. They're an adulterer. Sad reality is a lot of Christians are too. Because they choose to love all the other things. They lose that focus. If you'd stay focused on the one that you're supposed to love, if you were to stay focused on the things that are above, if you were to stay focused on loving the associations, the brethren that we have, you'd put your affections on the brethren, right? Isn't that the commandment? A new commandment I give unto you, John uh, chapter 13. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples indeed, if you have love one to another. Isn't your affection supposed to be to heaven? Isn't your affection supposed to be to the brethren? You know, the problem is we, we go ahead and we love our friends in the world and our coworkers in the world and all these other. We're nicer to them and we're better to them than we are to the saved folks in the church. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, you're not supposed to be terrible to the lost, but you ought to be better to your brothers. Christians have it backwards. They'll drop everything to go help a lost man. They won't go ahead and drop everything and help their brother. That's sad. That's sad. But the truth is that that's the command from God. I already made reference to uh, the Almighty. Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, he says in John chapter 14 and verse 5, if you love me, keep my commandments. How do I know that I love God? Pretty easy. Keep his commandments. Do what he said. That's a good, that's a quick check on your affections. Are you doing what he said? If you're not doing what he said, then you're not loving him right. You've lost focus in that area. And he says in uh, 1 John chapter 2, I already said it, to love not the world, because if you do that, the love of the Father is not in you. You aren't showing any love for God by giving in to all your sins all the time. Wasn't this passage, I mentioned it this morning, this entire passage is about what? Running a clean race. Not having sin in your life. You realize uh, the people that you love in your life are the people you're not supposed to hurt, right? They're the ones you protect. They're the ones you're supposed to do things for that you wouldn't do for anybody else. Gentlemen, I hope that's the way it is for you and your wife. You do something for them you would never do for anybody else. Ladies, I'm sure that's how you feel about your husband. I bet that's the way you feel about your kids. You'd do anything, anything you could. And Jesus Christ loved you more than enough. He did everything he could. Everything that needed done. And you know what he says? If you love me, just keep my commandments. If you love me, wouldn't you just do what he asked if you loved him?
You know, I, I made a joke a, I don't know, a couple weeks ago about Ananias there with, with Saul, you know, the, before he comes Paul. Ananias is there, you know, and the Lord says, hey, uh, go, go see Saul, right? And Ananias goes, well, I thought he has papers to, you know, go in. And he says, yeah, but I already told him Ananias is coming. <laughs> I already showed him Ananias is showing up. So uh, I need you to go. And Ananias just says, okay. Okay. You know what I believe? I believe Ananias loved God. How do you know that? Because he's ready to lay down his life. If he's wrong, he's a dead man. But he goes, okay, God's right. I'll be all right. I'll just do what he asked. If you love me, keep my commitment. That's all it is. Go back to Proverbs chapter 23. I ended here this morning. I'm going to end here tonight. Proverbs 23. We're going to look at it again. Some of you were here. Some of you weren't here. So we'll look at it again either way. But you get to Proverbs chapter 23. And we're talking about that, that focus, keeping focus. If you stay focused on what you're supposed to stay focused on and not keep taking and looking at the things we're not supposed to look at and not looking at our problems, not looking at the cares of this life, not looking at all the things that we get entangled in and we get wrapped up in that, that doesn't please him who hath chosen us to be a soldier, right? Uh, you and I, you know what he's got? He says here in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26, My son, give me thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. Give me thy heart. Love me. Affections. Focus the affections, okay? Then what will happen? Give me thine heart and let thine eyes. Now what you look at is going to start getting into focus. Observe my ways. What he told you, your thoughts. Everything will get in line if you're loving him right. That's always how it works. New Christian gets saved. You look at them and you go, well, you know, I mean, they got the, you know, they got all the wrong clothes and they're listening to the wrong music and they got the wrong friends and everything. I mean, they're pretty much awful. Right? They just got saved. They don't look like everybody. They don't know what to do. They always look so weird, you know. And after a while, what happens? You start watching some things change on the outside. Sometimes it's real slow, but they start just slowly changing. Some things just automatically, you say, what happened? They got saved and they just start loving God. And they don't really know what they're doing yet, but boy, they look around and they go, hmm, I look a little different, maybe I should. And that's not to fit in, that's, that's just simple, hey, all these people love the Lord and they do this. Maybe that's the right thing to do. Dr. Ruckman used to always say, and I loved it, uh, he said, uh, not everybody has the same standards. But if you don't have any standards, borrow somebody's. <laughs> They'll work for a little while and figure them out for yourself. You ought to have some things that you change in your life because you love the Lord. Not because I do it, not because Pastor Legault's done it, not because, you know, Brother John and all. You do it because, well, I love the Lord. I think that might please Him. And the Lord will adjust the rest. If you love Him, you know what He wants you to do? He wants you to be able to please Him, so He's not going to hold anything back from you. He doesn't want you to run a bad race. He wants you to run a clean race. You ever start to do something for Him? And He goes, 
that's not quite what I want. Just move it over a little bit. And all he does is direct a moving vessel. He takes that boat, Brother Joel, and he just bumps it on over just a little bit for you and puts you on course. Why? So that he can make sure that when you grab your pocket watch, you turn it on, it's right on time. That's how it works. And as he carries you around in a basket in a pocket, I'm running out of things to get to, all right? <laughs> but the truth is, if, if our heart is good, we say, come thou fount, oh, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Prone to wander. Why? Because we keep looking everywhere else. But if our focus is good, if our focus is looking up at that Savior, it takes care of a whole lot of problems. And it will keep you out of a whole lot of problems. Father, I thank you for the night. I thank you for your goodness. I pray you would just bless our time together tonight. I pray that Jesus Christ was honored and glorified. I know it was a fun night for everybody. I hope I, hope I didn't put too much of a damper on it with that one. So, But, Father, I do pray you'd help us to have a good time of fellowship afterwards. Uh, I pray people would be able to stay and, and just enjoy themselves tonight and fellowship with each other. And Father, maybe some folks who are newer that haven't really talked to too many folks here at the church yet, that they'd be able to get a chance to have some good fellowship with this church. Lord, uh, we love you and we just we thank you for being good to us. Lord, we pray. Uh, Lord, I'm going to pray to bless the food right now. I don't know if I should do that, what, but Lord, uh, maybe we'll do a double blessing. I don't know, but Father, I do pray you would bless the food and the fellowship time to follow. Lord, that uh, Father, we'd be able to have a great time tonight. And Lord, once again... Father, be with our pastor, Pastor Legault. I pray you would just, uh, Father, he's, he's, always, he's always been my pastor for almost as long as I know. But, Father, I do pray you would strengthen and help him. I pray you'd raise him up. I pray there wouldn't be, Lord, uh, any pain tomorrow morning. He'd be able to get up and not have to worry about it. But, Father, I pray you'd, you'd just bless and take care of him. Or once again, we pray, uh, Father, I don't remember that man's name, Quentin. I think maybe something like that, but Father, you know who he is with the heart attack and, and the blood clots and Lord, everything else. Father, I pray your hand would be upon him. I pray he'd get saved if he's lost and Father, you'd help him to recover quickly. But once again, Father, we do pray you'd bless our night in Jesus' name. Amen.